Welcome to Podheim, Jurok's Valheim podcast. Let's give him the business. Hey, everybody. Today is August 2nd, 2022. I'm your host, Jurok the Viking, and joining me today are my fellow Vikings, Gwen the Shield Maiden. Hi, hi. Shield Maiden, Morning Darkness. Hello. Bambi the Shield Maiden. Hello there. And joining us for the first time is Gaming with Christy. Hi, everybody. Hey, Christy. Jerk, Welcome, it's like Christy. You've got, it, it's like you've got all the Shield Maidens today. What's up with that? Yeah. I, <laughs> I know, know, right? <laughs> all, all the male Vikings are out on a raid, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> or they just couldn't be bothered to get out of bed. That's probably really the answer. <laughs> well, Christy, it's so good to have you on the podcast. I've been wanting to get you on for a long time now. Thanks so much. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, I always enjoy listening to the podcast in the background while I'm doing other things. And it's a it's a great program you have running here. Lots of fun. Oh, thank you. Yeah, and uh, you're here on our episode 30, so a little bit of a milestone. Ooh, I'm special. Yeah, very <laughs> special. So uh, Gwen's going to start off with a couple of questions for you. Yeah, and uh, I must say I'm a big fan gaming with Christy. I have been uh, following your channel. I really enjoy your videos and your streams are fun. So really glad to have you here. Yeah, so tell us a bit about your gaming history. What What's your favorite game uh, before you discovered Valheim? What was the game that kind of started you off on the gaming path? Gotta be before Valheim, right? Because Valheim is clearly the favorite <laughs> right now. Um, you know, I've played games for many years. Um, and I mean, I guess some of my early favorites were like Mario Kart. I mean, mm. yeah, I, great I, quality game. I can uh, I can kick anybody's butt in that game. So I uh, oh, still prove oh. to this day. Just saying, it's out there. <laughs> um, and then I don't know. Advancing through, I guess one of the games that I just really fell in love with with was uh, Zelda: Breath of the Wild. I just love the feeling of the game, the graphics, the kind of open world nature where you can just go in any direction that you want, you know, and do whatever you choose to do next. Um, I really love that freedom and the feeling of being like really enveloped in the world. Um, and then I think definitely the biggest game that got me so completely addicted and pulled me into being involved with a community is No Man's Sky. And I started playing that because Hubs and Little Man were playing it. And I was like, okay, I'll try it. Something we can do together. Got completely addicted. And it's a complex game. So for the first time, really, I started looking on YouTube to find answers to things and information. And found, you know, quite a few great channels, but really got interested in a gaming channel called Zane's World. Mm. And Zane is like a cut above when it comes to research and data. And it's very fact-based and 
Like if he says this is how something is, then you can bank on this is how it is. And I really liked that about him and his content. So I got involved with his community more and more and more, ended up becoming a mod, an admin, a council member, um, integrated with another channel to Beeblebomb and worked up there. And so I ended up kind of working behind the scenes, helping with their channels um, for a couple years, at least, I would say. Oh, wow. um, and so really getting involved in those channels and those communities and helping you know, grow things and do research and help in the discord and all of that kind of stuff. It, it was a hobby, you know, it wasn't my intention that that would like be a tutelage towards me eventually having <laughs> my own channel and content. But, you know, now that I do do this, um, that's really what it, what it became. It, it ended up being like an internship, you know, that I got to learn from these guys that were ahead of me. Very cool. So how did you, yeah. uh, how did you end up discovering Valheim, Christy? Zane. Yeah, oh. it was Zane because um, uh, he saw something about the game and was like, hey, I think this looks cool. I want to try it out. And um, asked a few of us, anyone want to try this? And I was like, oh, that looks interesting. That looks cute. Sure, I'll give it a shot. And so he and I and a few other people um, started playing together on a server and immediately were addicted. Like it just completely took over our lives. It completely took over my life. Like I just became enveloped in it and learning everything about it and exploring. And there's always so much to do and it's so beautiful and enthralling. And, um, before I knew it, no man's sky and every other game that I played here and there just kind of fell to the side. And all I was really interested in playing is, is, uh, Valheim and uh, kind of became obsessed with it that way. And so that's what kind of led to, you know, wanting to learn more about it and my passion about it and all of that kind of stuff, you know, kind of snowballed me to where I am now. Yeah. So did you ever play Valheim single player or did you pretty much just discover it with Zane, Zane's World and, and their servers and their community, and then just immediately started playing multiplayer from the beginning? I immediately started with multiplayer. I have a solo world, but I never really do a lot there because I'm always pulled back to multiplayer. Um, mm -hmm. <laughs> I mean, it's a different experience. Now, there are times that I want to play alone, you know, like I just... I don't feel like talking to somebody or I want to watch a TV show while I'm playing or that kind of thing, of course. Um, but I really like the multiplayer aspect of it. You know, um, I like I, I like that it's cooperative. You know, there's not a lot of emphasis on fighting each other. You work together and you help each other out and you save each other. And a lot of the great escapades and adventures that you have are around that you know i'm getting together with people and 
finding a way to survive or finding a way to get your body back or, you know, anything and everything that happens. You know, there's so many different adventures that happen in Valheim. And um, and it's nice, too, to to see other people in the world, to see other builds in the world, you know? Um, yeah, absolutely. To see the creativity that people come up with and how different people do different things and... Yeah, it's never-ending interesting to me. I was going to say, you probably enjoy multiplayer, too, so you can figure out how to set up some kind of trap or prank for the other players, too, right? (laughs) I have developed a taste for that since Ravenheim started. (laughs) (laughs) Since they started doing it to you. (laughs) Not by choice. (laughs) For the record, I am not the one that started this nonsense. (laughs) (laughs) Well, I love that video you did where you completely destroyed, was it Versaw's house? Yes. But, but it, <gasps> No. Yeah, she did yes. a whole video where she completely destroyed it, but it was kind of like that uh, video that I did where I summoned the elder at the portal hub. Mm-hmm. It was mm-hmm. just, she copied the world and just did it in her single player. <laughs> it was epic. It was epic. I kept warning him, but he wouldn't listen. <laughs> well, uh. I, I'm guessing Kaizen was in on that prank because he had to uh, give you access to mm-hmm. to the uh, world file to, in order for you to do that. Yes, Kaizen was in on the prank. He was the only one that knew what uh-huh. I was doing. And um, it was funny because the prank was for Versaw. Yeah. But it ended up pranking everybody. Like, yeah. <laughs> the viewers, everybody. Some people were outraged. Like, I had to message some people and be like, no, no, really, wait. It's, you know, <laughs> it's, I'm not really evil. I'm really not. <laughs> well, I can understand. He's my favorite builder. You don't destruct anything of him. <laughs> you know, right? Yeah. And it was the gatehouse, his house that got featured by Iron Gate, too. Oh, no. That's the one that I went and destroyed. Yeah. <laughs> Put all this stuff in an obliterator and blew it up. It was it, it was very <laughs> cathartic. It was very cathartic for me. <laughs> well, that that's awesome. That that sounds like uh, you have to come up with a really good prank uh, every uh, uh, around uh, April Fool's Day next year too. Ooh. Yeah, I I uh, I, I love April Fools. I, doing my uh, you know, taming videos, taming things you can't really tame in game. It's yes, it's gotten both hate and love from people because I do try to make them entertaining <laughs> as well. But they're upset when they find out they can't actually do it. But uh, I know. Yeah. Yeah. Some people think it's hilarious. Some people are like, how could you do that to me? Yeah. Yeah. Or people have demanded that it's no longer April Fool's. After two weeks after April Fool's, you should take the video down. Like, oh. you, know how, <laughs> you know how much work that video get, takes to do and how many hits it's getting? I'm not taking it down. Right? <laughs> Good grief. Yeah. 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 That's the side of uh, content stuff that most people don't know or think about just because they don't come from that perspective. Yeah. Yeah. We're just putting out content for, you know, their entertainment, maybe in, in infotainment too. And uh, yeah, they, they, it's funny how they, they have free access to it, but uh, they can still make some interesting demands uh, of your content that you're providing to them for free. <laughs> mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Well, so, Talking about content creation, you're, you're a content creator over on YouTube. You can, if they search for gaming with Christy, they can find you. Can you tell uh, I, everyone what made you like really decide for yourself that 
doing Valheim content on YouTube was was for you or something you wanted to try? And did you do any kind of content uh, creation before that? Mm-hmm. Well, I had done a little tiny bit of content creation in No Man's Sky just because, mm. you know, some people really wanted me to do some stuff. Um. And then, you know, I really started getting into Valheim and I kept saying, I'm not going to do YouTube. I'm not going to do YouTube. And everybody was like, you should do a channel. You should do a channel. And Hubs kept telling me, when you're ready, let me know. And <laughs> eventually I was like, okay, I'm going to do it. Um, because I think I had this experience of working with other people already. And I kind of was part of a community around it, even though initially I was just getting into specifically the Valheim community more and more. It it, kind of had a bridge between No Man's Sky and Valheim because there's a lot of crossover players between No Man's Sky and Valheim. Sure. Um, And so I, I was going into streams of Valheim already with Zane's World and with Beeple Bomb. And so I was already kind of out there publicly playing the game. And, you know, people kept saying, you should do your own channel. You should do your own channel. Um, And I think over time, I just enjoyed the game so much. And I enjoyed and had so much fun being in stream. And I found that... I was able to answer people's questions in chat and in discords and stuff. And I've always loved video editing. It's, it's just been something that I enjoy. I've done it in different jobs in the past. I've done it just as a hobby for fun, for friends, for events and different things. And I thought, you know, maybe I'll, I'll give this a shot and kind of combine my love of the game and my love of making videos. And, you know, this could be another aspect of the hobby to me. And so I thought, you know, I'll I'll put it out there. I'll start a channel and we'll see how it goes. I'll learn about having my own channel and maybe in a year I'll hit a thousand subs and, you know, we'll see if it'll go anywhere um and then i had a thousand subs in four months which wow. was shocking wow to me shocking <laughs> i'm still a bit shocked by it mm-hmm. <laughs> so when did you start uh your channel then um let's see i started playing valheim in early f- or in february i think and of I started- last year when it came out yes yeah, mm-hmm. last year when it came out. And then I started, yeah, I started the channel not long after that, like around the end of February, beginning of March. And by the end of June, I had I had hit a thousand subs and gotten monetized. Wow. wow. Yeah. Congrats. Thank you. And I think a lot of that came down to one, having the practice you know helping other people being in the other communities um and i and i think too um i got just very fortunate in the valheim community too and 
you know, finding other people that are supportive and encouraging like Jirak. Jirak has been a great mentor for me as well. And I have appreciated that greatly. I don't even remember how we initially got talking. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to look back at our DMs. <laughs> yeah, I don't even know. But I know 100% of the time, Jirak has been very supportive and encouraging and helpful. And, mm -hmm. you know, that's uh, that's made a big difference. And that's one of the things I love about the Valheim community, at least the part that I'm a part of. And for, from what I can see, the majority of it is that it tends to be a bit more mature crowd, a bit more positive, helpful crowd, you know, like. Um, I see other creators trying to lift each other up, you know, and mm -hmm. support each yeah. other and getting everybody out there. Yeah, the, the community is uh, very mature and friendly, at least uh, just compared to the average player that I've come across and the average mm -hmm. uh, YouTube viewer. Like generally, I see comments, whether they be on my channel or other people's channel, uh, there seems to be a lot less trolling or immaturity. Or, you know, demanding of, you know, certain things from free content creators uh, that you mm -hmm. might see elsewhere. And yeah, I love, I, I have always, you know, I, cause I've been a, a, you know, an artist, a filmmaker for 25 years now. So when I see other people trying to venture out and do their own thing, like, I just want to be a cheerleader for that because it is mm -hmm. so difficult to succeed at it. It takes um, so much work for so little pay because you have mm -hmm. to do it because you love it, not because you think, oh, I'm going to get, you know, rich or even have some kind of income that I can, you know, support a family on by yourself Absolutely. with it. But so, yeah, you have to do it for the love of it. And and so that, uh, you know, anybody who's putting in all that time, I, I don't I want to be, you know, just encouraging for it because it's so, so difficult. Yeah, it has to be a passion because it's so much work. It's and I think that. People that aren't content creators don't understand how much time and effort and work it takes <laughs> to put out good content. Mm -hmm. Well, and so going on to the next subject, in, in addition to content creation, before we cover it in detail, uh, but hosting Valheim servers, I want to ask you about, but d d can you estimate for me on average when you started hosting Valheim servers uh, how much time per week does both creating content and Valheim servers take? Because for myself, I was already putting in a good 30 or 40 hours a week making Valheim content. Now I find I'm 50, 60 or more hours per week putting into mm -hmm. hosting servers and trying to create Valheim content. But mm -hmm. have you found that when you started hosting servers that, that it even took up even more time? Yes, for sure. Um, when I first started my server, of course, at the beginning of a server, there's a huge learning curve, right? And yep. so many things to, to do at once. When I started my server, I was probably working 80 hours a week. Yep, I, that I would right. work until 2 or 3 a.m. every night and get up at 6 Yep. Um, and start again with my morning coffee. And I still, as soon as I have coffee in my hand in the morning, the first thing that I do is I'm checking messages. Yes. <laughs> I mean, the first thing that I do. And things have calmed down now because, you know, we've been around for a little while. We're a bit more stable now. Um, 
But I would say that I easily still work 50, 60 hours a week um, trying to do content, trying to play on Ravenheim, running stuff for the server, just all of the backend administrative stuff that takes a lot of time. Mm-hmm. Um, that has calmed down. A, that has slowed down a little bit the last couple of weeks because it's summertime here and kids are out of school. So I have little man home with me. And so my first job is being a mom. Yeah. Right. So I have had to, I, I've had to step back time-wise from it a little bit to, you know, have the reality of real life going on around mm-hmm. me. And, um, but that's another part of it too. And being a content creator, hosting servers, trying to be involved with your community and you still have a life, you know, and it's very easy for content creation to take over every waking mm-hmm. second with nothing left for anyone or anything else. And always teetering back and forth and trying to find that balance can be a challenge at times, you know, because there's always something that needs to be done for your community. You know, there's always something that needs to be done for videos or research. Um, And there's always something that needs to be done in the real world. And um, I know that like work-life balance is a thing for everyone in every area. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the unique thing in content creation and, and probably some other areas too, is that like, it's here all the time. You're doing it all the time and you're passionate about it. It's on your mind all the time, you know, like it, it's tempting at times to just kind of like go completely all in to having everything in your world, your mind, your life focus on your channel and your community. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's it, it's not like uh, if if you're a shop owner or a small business owner, you have working hours and then you you close the shop and customers don't expect to be able to contact you outside of you know opening hours when you. Uh, when you have a community and a server that you run, that's 24-7 and players might encounter issues, might need uh, to contact you at any time. So it's really hard to be able to, as you say, find the balance. Um, and YouTube content creation is its own other thing, right? Like there's always that, I feel like there's always that pressure of always be being the first one to put the video out because if you don't then you know the youtube algorithm is is not going to favor you or you know some other content creator will get there before you and and get more views that you could have had it's it's a whole other <laughs> thing that yeah i i i have a, just a tiny window into it because i'm doing a tiny bit of content creation but uh, i i can see how it can be very You're doing great though yay thank you <laughs> i'm not doing much but that's the thing is i i I have a full-time job and I I need to prioritize like this summer. I have so much going on in real life that I had to step back also from gaming and from um, doing streaming and and server events and so on. And it's just, yeah, I think it's, you know, the good thing is that we're all mature enough to know when to stop or pause or step back and focus on other things. So hopefully everyone feels that way. Yes, at least it's something that, 
we love, or I'll speak for my, that I love, you know, like I love, I love making videos. I love putting videos out. I love interacting with the community. You know, I love seeing what people do and build and the adventures that they have on my server. And, you know, everything about that, it, it it's, it's really good. Um, yeah, it's just the like, Okay, pull the reins a little bit. Like, go, don't go too far into the world of your computer, <laughs> too. You gotta. Well, yeah, I, I guess I never really understood the term uh, workaholic because I figured, mm-hmm. you know, over the years, <laughs> I just always thought, well, who loves their work so much that they're going to, <laughs> you know, neglect everything else, you know, a little bit, if not a lot. <laughs> until I started putting, you know, 60, 70, 80 hours leading up to a seasonal launch a week. And then, you know, I go to bed, I'm thinking about, you know, content or the servers mm-hmm. and I wake up and I, I'm thinking about the content or the servers. I'm hanging out with friends and family and I'm not paying attention because I'm thinking about yes. Valheim, you know. <laughs> it's true. It's an addiction. I'm saying it's an addiction. Like we need help. It's a support group going on here. <laughs> what we need a 12-step program (laughs) i'm in (laughs) hello my name is bambi and i'm an addict (laughs) well well, talking about content christy what what are some of your favorite types of videos to make and i ask because i have some favorites and for me my favorites are these kind of little uh skits that i script out and and, you know, maybe play characters, maybe one character or two char- different characters in the skits. But, I, you know, I still love editing videos and, and uh, you know, doing little playthroughs or covering the news. But, but do you have any favorite content that you enjoy? Uh, like, is it an edited video versus a streaming video? News, playthrough or server related videos? Yeah, they're very different animals, right? Yeah. Like... I never thought I would stream and Hubs was like, when you're ready, let me know. Right. And then I did. And I, I have found now that I really enjoy streaming. Um, I have a lot of fun with the audience, but that's an entirely type of experience than doing an edited video. Oh yeah. Um, and, and it's received very differently from the audience, an edited video versus a stream. Um, in the edited videos, I enjoy doing all of them. I would say that um, the ones that I do that are playthrough videos, like I did a series before that was a playthrough. I'm, I do some of the edited videos for Ravenheim. Those are not my favorite, honestly. Um, they're a lot of fun. And people that watch them for the series really enjoy them. But those kinds of edited playthrough videos take massive amounts of hours. Oh, yeah. Yeah, it's different than just you doing a playthrough and just uploading the whole playthrough. Like what I do for my Ravenheim videos versus doing a playthrough and just editing to the good bits. If you edit it to just the good bits, oh, it takes so much work. Yes. And that's what I do. I do. I want to add sound effects and music and change the music and change the sound effects and zoom in and out and tell the story along the way and throw in graphics and visuals and cuts. And and because I enjoy editing videos and I think it's, you know, unique, you know, in just putting up a straight playthrough 
And so I like doing it to that level, but it takes so much time to do those. Um, yeah. Now yeah, doing. I've, I've, sorry, go ahead. Nope. Go ahead. Sorry. I was going to say, I've heard that like for every hour of content, it's six hours of editing or something like that. Wow. It could be. Much more than that for me. Yeah. Well, it (laughs) depends on on the type of content. Like if I'm just covering news stuff, it it can be a little bit shorter, but it's still several times. But if I'm like doing a skit or something, there's so much prep before you do do the skit. And then there's so much editing Mm -hmm. afterwards. Mm -hmm. And even like, well, so like the other most common video types that I do are the news and tutorials. And those are probably my favorite types to do. And I get the best response from the audience for those two types. Um, News is a little bit faster. I'm getting faster at doing news videos. That's That's a skill to develop to get faster at doing news videos, which is good because you usually want to get them out fast because they're news. Yeah. Um, my tutorial videos um, are probably one of my favorites too because I can take all of the different pieces and put it together into the tutorial. So, but so, like for a tutorial, I'm going and I'm recording all of the different roles. You know, I'm recording B roll, I'm recording different angles, I'm recording different parts of it from and doing the research on it to be able to record it if it's something that I have to do research for. Um, And then bringing all of that back together. And for, say, if I put out a 10-minute tutorial, depending on the type it is, but if I put out a 10-minute tutorial on something, I could have six hours of video that I'm going through and cutting to pull it down into that small bit. That's a, that's a good comparison. Then, the shorter the video, the more editing and work it takes. But if you release mm-hmm. a long video with a few, maybe unedited or just a few edits, it takes a lot less to edit. It's those short videos that require so much precision in the planning mm-hmm. and editing. They take way longer. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then adding you in music do it. and graphics and everything. But those videos perform better. Yep. Absolutely. Long term, too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, they certainly do because you, you're giving like information mm. or entertainment really quickly, edited quickly. So the audience, you know, doesn't have a chance to lose their attention span and click off to another video. Plus, it's short. So they figure they can just get through the whole thing. Mm-hmm. Right. Cause because I want to keep the quality high. I don't want to have any dead space. Cause as soon as yeah. someone thinks for four seconds, this is a waste of my time, they're gone. Yep. Yeah. Oh. I was just going to say, because I feel like the audience for shorter videos, yes, you get to reach more people, but the audience is so much more demanding because they there's a reason why they click on a short video is because they don't want to spend too much time watching it. They want to get the information quick. So you have to focus so much on getting the pacing right, getting the the, the flow of information just right so that you catch their attention and you don't lose their attention uh, before the end of the video. So I, I, yeah, it's so much more editing work for that reason than like a streaming format. Yeah, exactly. Where, where the audience for longer formats or a streaming format, usually it's people who actually want to listen to long, long content, long form content because they listen to it on their uh, commute or they listen to it while doing something else. So it, they enjoy having, you know, a slower pace and so on. Um, 
so it's yeah it's really interesting to to compare like Jirok said the shorter the video usually the more you have to focus on the quality the pacing and uh yeah ultimately it's more work it is it's a lot more work and but when you're dealing with tutorials and that kind of stuff too oftentimes not always but oftentimes the shorter the video the more people are likely to click on it to watch because they don't want to watch something for two hours to learn how to do something. They just want the information. They want the information presented quickly, clearly, and in an entertaining manner. Yeah. Now. Mm-hmm. <laughs> that's all. But well, that's what I want, too. Yeah, of course. <laughs> when you're looking for a video, you're looking for the same thing. So, But as Gwen said, the longer form, form videos, I, I find that I, I watch or listen to longer form videos as sort of like a podcast. It's almost not really what about what they're showing me visually. I, you know, if I'm doing chores or driving or something, I just kind of listen to it as a podcast because it's interesting. But going back to just playing the game of Valheim, just playing the game of Valheim, I think Morning Darkness has a few questions for you. Yeah. So speaking of, of playing Valheim, uh, what do you like to do most in Valheim? I would say <laughs> it pro- it's hard to pick, right? Um, mm-hmm. Depends on my mood. Um, <laughs> it probably goes back and forth between adventuring and building. I love to go out on adventures. I love to go out on adventures with other people. You know, I mean, chasing Smitty everywhere yeah. is an adventure <laughs> in and of itself. Um, <laughs> but that kind of sense of expectation and you never know what's going to happen and what's coming up and, you know, being able to have the fight and win and come out or not. And another adventure begins, you know, like I really love that excitement. Um, But I really love building too. Um, And what type of builds do you enjoy the most? You know, more recently, I've been doing more kind of homey type things. Originally, mm. I was doing more like big castles and manors. And lately, I've been doing more like tree houses and huts and little yes. cottages and like the cafe, you know, is, I mean, oh, yeah. it's kind of a smaller build-ish. Um, yeah, so I... More things that kind of fit into nature and have more like mismatched looking things. Um, Although my next build is going to be a modern build. And so that's going to be very different. I've been wanting to do a modern build for a long time. And so I'm really looking forward to seeing what happens with that. So what uh, what architect would you be modeling your modern build after? Do you have a, a specific favorite one or are you just sort of going to look at ideas and branch out from there? Um, I, you know, I would have to go look at my bookmarks because I don't remember the name. I don't want to say their name wrong. But for inspiration, I I went to Google Images and I searched through hundreds and hundreds of pictures of uh, modern houses and looked for things that I liked and nice. that I thought had features that I could find a way to do with the building system and Valheim. Um, and that would work with the environment that I'm going to be building in. 
um, all those kinds of things. So a, a lot of times I like to go outside of the game and look at stuff, you know, in the real world to draw inspiration from and, and get me fresh ideas. And, and so I have like, I don't know, 20 or 30 different images that I kind of reference and go back and scan through. And there may be just one little detail in a picture that I'm looking at that I'm like, I like that. I have an idea of how I could do that um, in the game and then kind of pull it together and see what it comes out as, because I'm not the kind of builder that like some people, and I don't know how they do this. It's not how my brain works, but like some builders, when they do their videos or you see them building, they're like, okay, this is going to be, 15 meters long and seven meters mm. wide and da 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 da, da. And I'm like, I have no freaking clue. I have no idea. I don't know. We'll see as we yeah. go. I, I mean, yeah, that I'm the same way. It's more of an organic build. Like, uh, I'm just going to go the direction my hammer guides me. Sure. Yeah. Yeah. It's kind of like drawing it out as you build. I kind of think of it. I'm like drawing it as I go. And I have a general idea. Sometimes I might even make a little rough sketch, not of dimensions, but just ideas of how something might look. But um, and but when I get in there, I might change, you know, never know. That are most of the time the most awesome builds, the persons that wing it. Yes, I agree, because that's how I do it. <laughs> <laughs> Me too. <laughs> And I just want to take a quick break from the show to share with you one of my sponsors, The Grimfrost, an amazing company that sells really, really cool Viking products. They have over a thousand different modern and historical Viking products. If you're interested, you should check them out. I have a link in the description or you can go to my website, jirokthevikingcom slash Grimfrost. Now back to the show. Cool, cool. Well, uh, we're going to go and talk about some quick announcements uh, just to find out why Gwen's been absent for the from the podcast for the last week. Gwen, what have you been up to? So last week I was traveling abroad for work mostly, so that's why I missed the, the podcast. Um, I think I... <laughs> I was eating out uh, in a, a restaurant, eating lovely local food at the time of recording. And I did check my phone, see you guys all on Discord and, and have a little thought for you while eating uh, uh, lots of uh, great hummus. So, <laughs> um, but yeah, so last week I was uh, traveling and then on the weekend I went to a Viking festival Ooh. and I tried out my new medieval tent for the first time. I stayed uh, all weekend in it. Uh, I'm happy to uh, announce that I didn't get eaten by snails, so <laughs> that was fine. <laughs> and, uh, and yeah, I had lots of fun. Um, I was actually, I managed to squeeze uh, myself in the living history encampment. So I, because I do a bit of re 12th century reenactment and I have, uh, kits, you know, like clothes and things that are kind of authentic to the early medieval to medieval period. Um, and I, I have uh, clothes that could pass as uh, Viking era clothes. I thought that, you know what, since I've got a medieval tent, I might as well just try uh, to contact the local reenactors who are attending the Viking festivals as reenactors and uh, are part of the that side of, of the show. 
and uh, asked them if they would accept me joining their camp for the weekend. And so I did. And they were lovely and very welcoming. Um, they were super nice and they let me stay with them because uh, we had our, our little corner for the all the reenactors to stay um, in authentic tents and basically uh, showcase life as um, in the Viking era. Uh, they also put on a, a bunch of fights um, uh, to kind of showcase that side of things as well. Um, and, uh, and yeah, and the rest of the festival was uh, just, you know, the normal public would, would stay in the camping with all the plastic tents. Uh, so yeah, it was, it was nice to live, you know, the, have the weekend in living the, the authentic side of things, uh, on the living history side. And yeah, it was lots of fun. I'm looking forward to the next two weekends where, where I'll be also away, also sleeping in the same tent. <laughs> Hopefully, uh, it will go well, uh, the next two weekends. I'm, I'm holding up for the weather so far. It looks good. As long as it doesn't rain, I think I'll be fine. <laughs> Do you have an, uh, the name, do you remember the name of the Viking festival that you spent the last week at? Yeah. So it's, uh, the Valhalla Viking festival. It's put on by, it's very close to where I live. It's only like a 40, 50 minute drive. Um, it's the only the second time that they do it. They started, uh, they did it the first time last week. And it's basically a community festival put together by a couple who own a Viking jewelry store, well, Viking item store. They, so they do lots of Viking jewelry and things like that. Um, they themselves are not uh, focusing particularly on authentic Viking stuff. Um, it's more, you know, the general Viking, uh, the uh, items that are Viking-y, um, but not necessarily just pure uh, authentic stuff. And uh, the their vision for the festival is to have something that is community oriented that uh, regroups all kinds of people um people who enjoy the series vikings people who are just viking enthusiasts but also reenactors but also uh neo pagans and so on so it's a very kind of nice community oriented festival it's a very small one as well um they do lots of different activities they had uh, archery um they had a number of workshops where you could do uh, jewelry casting, uh, forge, uh, forging, and so on. Uh, they had uh, axe throwing, which I which I did uh, again for the second time. I saw and that I'm picture you really posted. bad at. Yeah, I'm so so bad at it. Um, archery was fun. I tried that as well. Um, yeah, so it's kind of a, a fun festival. Oh, yeah, and of course they have music. So they have uh, Viking style music. So they had. Um, some, uh, people who, who do, uh, kind of singing and, uh, folk instruments that are kind of medieval style. They had a lot of Norse style music. They even had like a, a Norse metal band, uh, on one of the nights. They had one band that was really good. That is uh, very similar to Heilung or, um, uh, what's the other one? Um, Oh, I can't remember the name. Mm. Waldruna and all that style. So like Norse Viking inspired music. Um, and they were really, so they were doing like throat singing and stuff. So that was really cool to watch. I, I took a few uh, videos of that. So yeah, it's kind of really um, mixing lots of different people. The common theme is Viking in the broader sense. Um, but yeah, it was quite fun. It's uh, a bit different from the usual, more like medieval festivals I go to, which are more focused on the uh, reenactment side of things. So that was quite fun, uh, to be, you know, on the living history camp. And then you, I would see people walk through in biker jackets and, uh, you know, uh, 
the crazy war paint and so on. It's it's fun. Sounds amazing. Yeah, I was going to ask you, Gwen, to just in the back of your mind, try to keep track of like which of these Viking uh, festivals in particular that you you enjoyed the most or like what seemed like the most grand uh, in your mind. Because uh, if I can make it out to Europe uh, next year, I definitely would love to attend uh, one or more of these festivals. Yeah, totally. I think uh, there's lots of different types. There's a lot of festivals or or, uh, kind of weekends that are focused on reenactment. So especially if you go in Scandinavia, they have loads of those and basically you, it's more educational, right? So they don't have, they don't have necessarily like music and all of that. Uh, the entertainment is more focused on education and learning, um, life at the time of the Vikings. Um, but there are also lots of fun festivals that are more, you know, entertainment oriented, like the one I went to this weekend where you've got music and so on. I even, cause I looked it up like a couple of months ago and in uh, some parts of Europe, especially Northern Europe and Scandinavia, there's a lot of Viking metal festivals. There's a oh. lot of music <laughs> festivals that are focused on like Norse inspired music. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I'm curious about those, but I'm also slightly afraid. <laughs> I can imagine it's mostly hardcore people with long beards uh but you know why not <laughs> yeah that's fine well i've definitely uh, signed me up for the more entertainment ones although you know i do love the information and the knowledge when i'm on when i go out there i want to i want to party a little bit <laughs> <laughs> and we we should talk because i know that you you like myself you like to do a lot of event coordination or maybe you do it for work and and you are the one who does it for your friends and family but uh, we should definitely seriously consider a Valheim fan festival at some point. I bet you we could get yes. to uh, um, assist with that. Uh, that it might be. Oh my god! Yeah, sign me up. Yeah, it might, I, might yeah. be fun. I, I might try to plant that seed with a couple of the devs and see, um, you know, who deal with their public relations and see if it's something they'd be interested in. Because I would love to to do that and and then make you know cosplay costumes from Valheim. Oh yeah. Oh my goodness. That would be yes. so fun. <laughs> that would be so fun, but I don't know is there do you think there's a market for it? Let, let's let's hear from from like our, our followers and our, our listeners on the podcast like would you go? Would you travel to if if there was a a, a Valheim festival? Would you travel to it because I I'm really curious. I know there's like Comic-Cons and so on that are more gaming focused, but uh I don't know of many um festivals like that that are focused on just one game mm-hmm. or maybe it's just that i'm not very familiar with that i'm sure there are th- for the very popular games like world of warcraft i'm sure there's plenty of world of warcraft conventions but i don't know i think i think it would be a super nice thing it would be great yeah i think i i, I would hope that we especially when they start releasing more updates and get closer and closer to their 1.0 release that uh, they'll have you know even more regular daily players uh, hopefully approaching uh, or, you know, being considerable like what they did when they first released early access. But uh, yeah, I don't know. Mm-hmm. I mean, how many people do you need to make a festival, you know, to cover costs and stuff? Can you do something small? That's a few hundred people who register four. or you need four people. <laughs> four. You, me, Christy, Bobby. <laughs> <laughs> we just tire gate. Yeah. Clear out the break and room. Beer. We're coming in to, to do our four person <laughs> festival. <laughs> <laughs> well, I think the main challenge is because like uh, for a lot of events, the main challenge is location, right? Um, yeah. 
if the Valheim community you- is global, you've got people on every continent. So how, where would you do it? And would people travel for it? That's the, that's the, the thing. In the Netherlands, of course. In the Netherlands. <laughs> <laughs> like an hour away from your home, right? Like that would be the perfect spot for reasons. Yeah. Are you volunteering your house for the festival? Uh, yes. Right. If, if right. people are, are volunteering to come, yeah, I will. Of course. <laughs> uh, which one of our listeners has a couple of acres in their backyard so we can set up a festival? <laughs> <laughs> I have a few acres in the front of my house. Or, or the front, sure, sure. <laughs> I'm, I'm, I'm already thinking through, because in the UK, I know of places that have Viking longhouses. I even stayed in oh, that would them. be awesome. So I'm already like scanning in my brain, oh, <laughs> could, we, could we do something and actually have a longhouse for hire? <laughs> I'm going to seriously yeah, pitch that idea. Yes. Like, I think listen. the devs would be all about it. I really think they'd love that idea. Yeah. I would. Well, Iron Gate, if you're listening uh, and you want to do a, a Valheim festival, mm-hmm. contact me. Mm-hmm. I can send you my CV. I have extensive experience in events management. <laughs> <laughs> I'm happy to put on the whole thing. Well, yeah, and you, and you do marketing for a living, so um, can help, help get the word out as well. It's in Europe, so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, I just want to quickly cover a little tiny smidgen of Valheim news that came out. They released on Twitter the first thing we've heard of from them in weeks, because I think several of them have been on summer vacation. But they did release a pretty cool image of three characters in the game, each one holding the new weapons that they have uh, showcased before, the uh, the bone bow, the two-handed Ooh. sword, and the crossbow, so you get a little bit different look at each of those weapons. But even more curious is if you look behind them in that picture, is a giant wall of mist. And if you're wa- listening to this video uh, podcast on Friday, I probably have already released a an extensive, short, quickly edited video <laughs> on this one image. We'll see how long. I, I, I've I've made like eight or nine minute videos on one image before. We'll see how long mm-hmm. I make this next one, but it's a pretty cool picture just to get to see them from a different perspective. It is. Oh yeah, have you seen it, Christy? Yeah, yeah. And it was interesting too that their uh, post said, "Here are the weapons, the misland weapons that we've shown so far." Mm, that's a good hint, huh? Hmm. I thought so. They I do that on purpose. The- yeah, I spotted somewhere in the comments, I think when it was posted on Instagram or something, someone in the comments said that they would love to see an upgrade to the Agge. And they just replied, Iron Gate replied with just a winky face. <laughs> so maybe that will add more tears to existing weapons as well. Mm, new at gear confirmed, oh. question mark. <laughs> <laughs> That's the title of this podcast. <laughs> <laughs> Well, so I want to talk quickly about new videos that we we have each of us put out uh, over the last week in case anybody's missed them who's listening to the podcast. So I put out um, a video that I did with Christy, actually, when I played with her on Ravenheim. We're trying to do that together every other Wednesday or so because without a schedule, I just I cannot commit to doing anything. So. I told Christy, yeah, if we have some kind of set schedule, then I can probably do it. So we've been doing, like, I, I've been able to get on for about an hour or more with her and just kind of run around and goof off and have some fun. And I do not edit those videos. I just uh, 
put a little header and closer and then uh, upload them so you get to see uh, all the antics uh, that go on there. It's pretty fun running around with Christy. That's good fun. Yeah. Yeah. And it's fun to just play the game for a bit, right? Yeah. It's like one of the few opportunities I get to actually just play. (laughs) And Christy. This past weekend, I actually took time and went away and just played. Oh, nice. Just played the game. It was like a vacation. Yeah, I, I, I need to pick like a day of with the week or gosh, that's that's committing too much time, like a, a, like a good four hour block where I'm just like commit to playing and having fun and not worry about anything else. But and Christy uh, does stream uh, those. Uh, what do you stream every what Wednesday? Uh, is it? Yes, I yeah. stream every Wednesday at 12 uh, noon central daylight time. And sometimes I stream on Saturdays, uh, with the other Ravens. It just depends on our schedules and what works out and everything like that. It's kind of hard. It's like herding cats to get a bunch of us together. (laughs) Yeah. So if you enjoy, uh, having a stream running and, and, and following along the Valheim adventures, definitely check out Christy's channel because she's doing it twice a week. And then I uh, released a new video. Uh, I have these build palettes. If you've seen some of my other ones where uh, you basically have the three, full 3D representation of, of objects in the game, some that you can only spawn in via admin or some that like this, this latest one that I just released this video was every decorative food item for your kitchen or wherever you want to decorate with food, plus just other items you'd use to decorate. And Gwen was the one who built that because Gwen didn't, didn't you say you love decorating, you know, with the food items on tables, but it's hard to know everything that's available to decorate with. So if you, we built this palette, mm-hmm. so you have a representation of each item, right? Yeah, exactly. I, I took your idea of the palettes, which I really liked. And then I, um, I adapted it to what works well for decorators. Um, we all have, big feast halls in our builds. I'm pretty sure every single builder has a table somewhere and uh, a food items on it, but without really seeing the items, it's hard to know um, how to decorate the table, what to decorate it with other than the, you know, the, your usual um, uh, items. So yeah, it's, it's useful to see things in game. I also added on that uh, palette not only the food items, but also some food items that can only be um, put on, placed on um, item stands with the all item stands mod, just for people to know what that opens up in terms of options. There's only about five, so it's not a huge amount. Most things can be placed on items, um, but uh, on item stands. But yeah, and then also the furniture, because some of the items of uh, the cooks, cooking station upgrades and the some of the furniture is actually really intricate and I like how they look and they can be used for decorating beyond just the uh beyond just the kitchen for example the uh spice rack mm-hmm. um so with all the all the dried flowers that is a beautiful item I I, I love it and I really like decorating with it so it's nice sometimes to see it and uh, see some of these items just to think of other applications for them um, and other ways we can use them for decorating. But yeah, mostly that palette is, pa- uh, palette is to help you decorate your kitchen, decorate your feast hall um, and uh, mix and match the items to make a nice feast table. Yeah. And and uh, that build, build palette, along with uh, several others, are available 
to my patrons if you want the blueprints for those or, you know, watch the video and then just make your own uh, little palette somewhere with all those items on it. One of the other videos I just did uh, yesterday, as a matter of fact, was uh, season. So we released our season two server with a few mods in it, and it has uh, 140 custom built locations throughout the world to explore, which the players are absolutely loving. So I already started because it's released and it's out and then players are playing it. I'm starting to work on season three because I want it to release in about two to three months. And so I put together a build team. I have a lot of volunteers from my server. I think we have even more this time, something like 20 players or so. Huge amount. Yeah. Well, yeah. They're all kind of new to this creative building and building with all the mods that I, I've uh, learned over the, the months. So I, I did a four-hour video yesterday <laughs> for them. Uh, the first two hours is mostly me talking, going through a whole bunch of information. And then the next two is kind of Q&A where they ask questions and then I demonstrate you know, how to answer their question and, and then just some lively chat. So it's that's a really good video if you really are infer- interested in in learning the people on my server, my builders, and um, it's only available right now to the builders on my server or pe- my game master patrons and above. But if anybody else is interested, you could become a regular player on my server and then join the build team. You'd get access to the full video, uh, or of course, you know, through the other patron levels. And I, I, I'll probably release a like 30 to 40 minute preview of that video just to let you know how much information is just being thrown out at you. It's so much and it's so useful. I think anybody who likes building in creative mode or uh, doing any kind of admin uh, for a server or for other players, if you're just hosting through Steam for your friends, there's so much you can do and so much information to learn. And this four-hour video would be a great place to uh, d- get your feet wet and learn some stuff. Yeah, and it wasn't dull for a second because I was there live for for uh, quite a long time. I learned so much and got so much inspiration. I cannot wait to start building. <laughs> yeah, I know. I felt <laughs> like I had so much information to cover. I was talking so fast, so it's never really slow. <laughs> Just it may be an overload. That's why I made it into a video so people can go back and pause it and review it if they need to. Thank goodness for that. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> uh, what about you, Morning? What's been going on over on Twitter? I mean, on not Twitch? Twitter, on Twitch. <laughs> <laughs> One of the other T's. The other T's. Well, I did another episode on your season two no map oh, survival nice. server. And it was weird though. I had this 10 minute, minute latency. Oh. So most of my chat just sort of gave up on me. They were like, uh, oh no. <laughs> 10 minutes. That's a lot. I don't think I've ever I, heard of I that. restarted my computer. I did everything I could. And like it, it never repeated itself because I've oh. made a few more videos, but it was, it was a really strange one. I don't know what was going on. And then I've been building my tiny house, as I've mentioned before. And so I actually went out adventuring to get supplies. Mm -hmm. And it was, it was interesting. I was, you know, hunting resources, looking for tar pits and the like. And then I had this hilarious motor boss fight. (laughs) Where I was also running from a stone golem who Uh seemed to not be troubled by the terrain at all (laughs) (laughs) so that was a solo fight that i died a few times uh 
<laughs> but anyway, I think I lost 20 points on my bow skill. Oh, no. <laughs> and at the end, I ran out of arrows. Oh, no. <laughs> <laughs> now that's an adventure. Yeah. So yeah, yeah, trying to trying to dodge the drakes and you know figure out how to stab them from above and all this other stuff. So it ended up being a little entertaining, I hope. And then awesome. I've been doing other other building. I'm still still working on my treehouse. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> you mean the one you entered into the treehouse competition and been working on for six, seven, eight months? Yeah, uh-huh. yeah, that awesome. <laughs> Hey, it's good to have, you know, you could always do more. Well, it, it was unfinished when I presented it into the competition. <laughs> there was a whole second part of the build that I didn't even offer to enter except for the, you know, water slide. But that's a different thing. Yeah. And then I can't wait to start building for season three. So, yeah. But this tiny house is taking you half of the time? <laughs> no, I'm, I'm pretty much done <laughs> with the tiny house. Oh, but, wow. Yeah. Yeah. I'm not happy with some of my stuff, but. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. We have a tiny, tiny house build competition coming up this week. I'm really interested to see uh, what people do with that. This week? I thought it was in two, two weeks. I meant this month, this month. Yeah. (gasps) (laughs) About two weeks after my birthday. (laughs) Oh, your birthday. Yeah. Oh, nice. Well, well, Christy, what about you? Have you gotten any videos up over the last week or two that uh, you might want to let the listeners know about so they could check them out? Um, the thing that I did on <clears throat> Sunday was a very short stream. It's just like an hour long. And I had Verso and Smitty Survival come on to the Happy Gamer server with me because we did a kitchen design building contest. And so we went around and looked at all these different kitchen designs, um, which is amazing. I think that kitchens are one of the trickier things to do. And so I thought that would be a really good idea to get a variety of ideas. And so, excuse me, you can watch the entire stream if you want, or I'm going to be taking parts of that out and making it into separate videos as well. And I'm also working on a video that's going to be out this week. I feel like we're in kismet. Like, we're all doing similar things right now. Um, This one is about decorating uh, builds in uh, Valheim and different tips and tricks and techniques of how to do things and get inspiration and ideas for that. Um, So, yeah, lots of stuff around decorating stuff going on right now. Oh, I have Ooh. to go have a look at the kitchen be- builds because mm. that's my favorite th- thing to build. I love <laughs> doing kitchens. Yeah, same. They're fun. Yeah, I'm going to have a look at that. Yeah, there people come up with so many creative ways to not just build, but decorate. And I think that uh, the decorations sometimes inside of a magnificent build are almost more interesting uh, the, because they're little details and the way you put those mm-hmm. little details together take a, a lot of thought and creativity. So it's fun to see. Yeah. A lot of times that's what makes mm-hmm. it for me. I love decorating. I love the little details and that kind of stuff. So, yeah. And that people will ask me to come decorate. Yes. And I'm like, well, I should do stuff about decorating. Yeah. I love it. <laughs> yeah. Me too. Go. That is my weakest trait. <laughs> <laughs> I'll help you. That out is so untrue. 
It's untrue, yeah. That is. Yeah, I mean, you're the queen of chandeliers and uh, and, and very. No, no, colorful. no. That's Bambi. Bambi is no, the queen I'm of chandeliers. Not. Let's be real. <laughs> well, she did win the chandelier competitions. Uh, Bambi yes, did, so. exactly. <laughs> Yeah, but like you, you do also do crazy yeah. decorations. Yeah. Like your treehouse had so much color and light in it. Or the shield stairs. I love that. Yeah. yeah. Don't underestimate yourself more in darkness. <laughs> well, uh, so we're going to go on to one of our segments where we talk about some of the things we'd like to see added or changed in the game. I mean, obviously, it's still in early access and they could add all kinds of new things. But uh, it, we, we just get to sit back with us once a week and uh, imagine what could be added to the game that we would absolutely love to see. Bambi, you want to start us off with something you'd like to see in the game? Now, uh, we, well, a couple of friends and uh, I always refer to the Yagluth thingy. Uh, yeah. Well, I'd like to see it changed. Uh, actually, pretty curious about what it's going to be, uh, speculating about it for the Mistlands. And I hope it's going to be like a crafting thing that uh, allows you to craft a special lantern, drives the mist away from the mistlands. Interesting. Uh, so change, yeah, but hopefully it's going to be a, a feature in, uh, yeah, in the mistlands. I always thought the Yagla thing looked like either an ice cube or the Tesseract from the Marvel <laughs> Universe. Yeah, <laughs> it gives light. The tesseract. At a Tesseract, yeah. It, it gives light. So uh, we were like speculating, oh, would it be nice to give it a, make it into a lantern, a special lantern you need to drive all the mist away from the mistlands? Yeah, that's a very cool idea. Yeah. Yeah. I think uh, because, you know, when they teased the new mistlands forge, there was a forge and then there was a forge cooler that had this uh, blue liquid in it with uh, that was glowing. Do you think maybe that's what, it's used to craft. Mm -hmm. That would be amazing, yeah. Because we we uh, had the motor tiers that were used for the artisan table. So I would think to unlock the new forge, you probably need one of the boss drops too. Yeah, I was, yeah, was going to say anybody who wants to take a bet what it's used for, uh, I'll take your bet. 20 bucks says it's for the new forge. Who Who wants to bet against me? <laughs> Me, I'm going for the lantern. I love that idea. <laughs> I'm not taking that bet. Yeah. <laughs> Either get, way, uh-uh. I'll, I'll get my Venmo uh, and PayPal warmed up to get receive another 20 bucks when I win that bet. <laughs> <laughs> oh, what do I get when I win? You get your 20 bucks if you win, if it's a, if it's, if it's a lantern. <laughs> <laughs> You have to give me that it's a good idea, isn't it? it? Oh, it's a wonderful idea, especially yeah, yeah. with the mist, uh, you know, the, the density of the mist, especially in that picture they just released. Yeah. Well, Christy, what about you? What's something you would love to see changed or added? Well, I've been in decorating mindset lately, right? And so um, something that I really would like to see happen is for us to be able to place items on the extension. Um, like the butcher's table yeah. for the cauldron and yeah. the workbench and the forge and different things like that. Um, yeah. And I, I mean, it would have to be obviously on the ones that make sense to be able to do it. But there's a lot of them that it would make sense to be able to do it. And I mean, I think it goes hand in hand with I know, you know, you're forever advocating for more items on item stands and 
I think that that's going to happen. They are doing a review of what can be placed on item stands and they're going to expand that. And, um, you know, they're going to review too what extensions we can put items on because that's, that's like a whole nother world of opening up decorating and making builds more unique and amazing. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, I totally agree. Well, Morning, what about you? If you could change or add something. So I I actually, as as much as it's a pain in the butt, I, I enjoy the mechanic that not every, not everything when it's uh, when it is in the water. <laughs> but I would love to be able to use the fishing pole to like pull the nails out of the water from the boat that broke. Oh. I think that would be super fun. If you could somehow fish them out from the bottom of the uh, the water. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Or like iron or, you know, anything that falls and you're just like, no. And you're, you know, building the diving platforms to try to get into the water deep enough to get it. I would love to just be able to use the fishing pole. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I'll, I'll add to that and just say, just let us swim down. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. yeah that's a good one as well i mean there are mods for that pretty- now and it, it works pretty well so i'm curious you know mm-hmm. why they might not want to allow that because i think they said uh, it was mentioned that they probably weren't ever going to do that no but the yeah, mod does it correct. pretty well but oh well iraq you're starting to sound like gorth now there's a mod for that <laughs> there's a mod for that <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 fishing pole to fish things out that would be awesome well, Gwen, we have to have good aim. Oh, <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, you absolutely would have to be able to aim to target it and hit it. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, Gwen, what about you? What would you like to see changed or added? So out of a discussion, a brief discussion we had uh, with a couple of people about season two and no map and how it's played, um, we noticed that. So on the Nomap um, version of our season two servers, we are allowed to use portals. We can all build portals. And so now that people have been playing for about a month on the server and have been exploring and discovering some of the locations and points of interest, um, the players have started building a, a, a portal hub with portals to all those locations. And... To me, even though I like the option to have portals, I do feel like portals take a bit away from the immersion and it's making things slightly too easy, especially when you have an abundance of portals and you can basically build Portalheim. Yeah. Um, where you can portal to every, yeah, portal everywhere. And it made me think it would be cool if there was, again, like I think last time we, um, I was on the podcast, we talked about some toggles to change some attributes in the game, like the percentage, the difficulty level or the percentage of a certain biome that you would get, um, or the frequency of, um, uh, mob spawns and so on. If there were more options like this to, for example, limit portals or limit the quantity of, uh, a certain, uh, uh, type of object that you can build in game. So for example, limit your portal building to only 10. 10 is the only, you you can only ever build like 10 portals, for example. Uh, So then you have to think a bit more carefully about how you use them. Um, Or even things like ships, because, you know, 
is it really realistic for one Viking to have 10 ships, 10 long ships? Probably not, <laughs> you know, like maybe things like that can be a bit limited, uh, again, to add to the immersion and make things a little bit more challenging uh, for the seasoned players. Um, same with things like wards or maybe maples, anything um, that should be a bit more of a rare or special item to be able to adjust that uh, uh, the the, the sc scarcity so that you you have more of a immersive, maybe a bit more challenging experience. Um, same thing also would go with pets that you breed. It would be nice to have a mechanism to limit the number of pets that you can breed. I know that you can kind of artificially do that by if, you know, they stop breeding after a while if they don't have enough space. Um, but you can still have multiple farms and, and pets all over the map. But, you know, maybe your, your pet wolves would be a bit more special if you could only ever have four, for example. Well, that's, that's something I've wanted for a while is to limit the number of portals. And as uh, Bambi remind mm -hmm. me, Gorth would say there is a mod for that. <laughs> uh, so we might use that mod in season three to give both servers, oh. survival and no map, the ability to build only two portals. So this way you have to work with other people if you want to use, you know, portals in a certain way rather than just unlimited portals. But yeah, if, if it were a default uh, dev command setting or some kind of, you know, world slider that you set up when you first create your world to be able to limit certain items that can be built, that would be so awesome because, you know, running mm -hmm. servers, I, I, I'm trying to make it more challenging for the players or get them out to explore and do different things, but I don't want to hinder them too much to make it too tedious. If I take away portals entirely, then, you know, they can't get anywhere for the people who have short amount of time to catch up with other players. But I'm so glad you came up with that one, Gwen. That's like been burning on my wish list forever. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so yeah, for so for myself, it's another admin-related thing I'd love changed in-game. As I am yeah. getting the ability to use different mods to do some of these things, it would be nice if they were default options in the game. And like Gwen's, uh, mine is uh, when I build a, a location or set up an event. I like we, you know, my builders go decorate these locations with all this beautiful stuff, and sometimes they use. The items from the build game because they look great too not just the admin spawnable items only the problem with doing that is the mobs will attack those things constantly creating noise and all those little sparks you know that fly through the air whenever they hit something and it's just a nuisance you know when a player comes into the area the mob usually stops hitting that thing and then goes after the player but I would love it if they would stop attacking those things. I've given them infinite health so they can't break them, but they still just sit there and, and attack them over and over, and it's really annoying. So I now have a mod where I can assign creator or no creator to the build items. If it's a creator, the build items, the, the mobs will attack them normally because they know it's a player-created item. But now with this mod, I can assign no creator to those items so like a workbench, the mob will just walk right past it because it has no creator in, in the, uh, in the, you know, Interesting. the code. Yeah. So I have that mod. It's going to be in season three so that POIs and locations are not annoying to approach because the mobs are attacking everything. And it would just be great mm. if, um, yeah, Iron Gate would give us that parameter attached to every build object. Is it, 
is a creator slash no creator tag and then let the admin assign it would be awesome. All right, we've come to that part of the podcast where only 5%, less than 5% of our listeners reach. So thank you all who have made it this far <laughs> with our special guest, Gaming with Christy. Uh, we're going to give a little uh, about us, something personal about us just for fun. For those of you who made it this far, Bambi. Uh, oh, and this week we're talking about um, hobbies or interests that we really enjoy but they're non-gaming and non-Viking related. Bambi, can you start us off? Uh, yeah, so I lo uh, really love to uh, renovate old dollhouses. Ooh. Oh. Like when I see one in a market or uh, uh, how do you call them in English? Uh, the like a fair? Yeah, fair. Antiques? Yeah. Flea markets, yeah. Oh, flea when I market, see one, yeah. I, I just have to buy it. And uh, yeah, put new... Uh, fresh paint on it and some new, new wallpaper and uh, love to do uh, wooden floors in them as well and build oh. little uh, build little uh, furniture for it yeah that's uh, that's a great hobby of mine I have too many hobbies but th that's one of them <laughs> <laughs> do, you, do you really like the like the miniature stuff yeah yeah I really like to uh, build those and make them yeah and do you keep all the ones that you uh, work on or do you give them away no, or I, sell I them? Kept, I kept one. I even made lighting in that one for, for my daughter. Oh, nice. Yeah, she doesn't have the same interest that I have. <laughs> <laughs> so she doesn't have had a look at it whatsoever. <laughs> mm. So but it's I more for you. I forced it to her. <laughs> yeah. I like it. You like it too. <laughs> yeah. No, but uh, yeah, that's, that's something I really like to do. And uh, yeah. Awesome. I always imagine fairies living in those little houses. Yeah, yeah. me too. Yeah. <laughs> like little Tinkerbells, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> well, Christy, what are, what's a non-gaming or non-Viking related hobby or interest you really enjoy? I really love cooking. I oh. love all mm -hmm. kinds of cooking. I'm a foodie. I like to try new things from different cultures, different techniques and styles I've never done before. I will buy special utensils just to try something one time that's a new thing I've never done before. And I combine this sometimes with science experiments, which is always fun. Mm. because little man is really into science and science experiments. And so like we find these shows that are like crazy cooking shows, like one that we just finished watching is called, is it cake? And like, you oh, can't yes. tell. You can't tell. <laughs> I love that right? one. Is, yeah, it, is it cake? I've heard about it. You don't know. And then there's like other ones where you can do, Oh, we did this awesome one where it's like it combines engineering and baking. Yes. And I love they that like one. give you these weird ideas and then you have to find a way to make it and make it work only using edible things and including engineering stuff in it. And it just le leads to so much creativity and ideas and fun. And sometimes it tastes good you know sometimes. <laughs> sometimes have you done have you done the butter experiment on baking chocolate chip cookies what what is that oh so you can do you can bake chocolate chip cookies right and then there are different ways to do that and it's it all has to do with how you add the butter in 
Okay, I'm going to have to look this up. That's, <laughs> that's a baking experiment right there. And right? it's not one of the ones that will explode my kitchen. Right, because there's, there's you know, just softened, but like room temperature butter, then you microwave the butter is another one. And then browning the butter on the stovetop. Mm-hmm. Uh, that's my favorite. But, you know, so you get to taste test the different ways with which you use the, the butter that's in the baking of the chocolate chip cookie. It's That's really a good fun. Experiment. And chocolate. I have like a whole thing on chocolate that I want to start doing. Like I saw a new show. I'm like, okay, we need to look at this one and get some fun ideas of like shaping chocolate and shaving chocolate. And oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done a lot of that stuff. So that'll be interesting. That'll be fun. <laughs> you and I should share cooking ideas, Christy. <laughs> Definitely. All about it. Yeah. Well, if you like uh, cooking and experiments and stuff, one thing that I've, uh, I, I'm a big about taking Valheim and Valheim things into real life. And I would love, I would love to see people attempt some of the Valheim recipes in real life. I think that would make for actually fun content, fun videos. I can Marie totally and I actually- make ice cream, but I'm <gasps> not yes. ice. Yes. <laughs> Or the sausages. <laughs> I can take a picture of that in about 10 minutes. <laughs> <laughs> but it has to oh, light up as well, right? What? Yeah, it has to light up and be blue. Yeah. And yeah. yeah. <laughs> well, Morning, what, what about you? What's uh, a, a hobby or interest that you really enjoy? Well, I think I've mentioned a lot of my hobbies. Uh, so I think one of the interests, I'm, I'm a complete nerd and I love learning about astrophysics. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, I love reading books and listening to shows by Michio Kaku, Neil deGrasse Tyson, like I just anything with their names, I hunt it down. And then one of my favorite channels is Anton Petrov on on YouTube. He does these really accessible astrophysics lectures. And like he did one about three months ago on an experiment that they reported on about measuring the, the boson. Mm-hmm. particle and particle physics and how they've realized that they have completely miscalculated the mass of the boson to a point where it can completely invalidate huge sections of our understanding of physics and particle physics. And wow. so they're, tr- they're scrambling sort of to try to figure out what they're missing because they messed this up so badly in some of the modeling. And so it's just, it's just really fascinating for me. That's cool. Yeah, so many great mysteries out there in the universe. I, I, I definitely love hearing about that. I actually used to attend a convention uh, where Neil deGrasse Tyson appeared at and, and some others who Ooh. are big in science and, and astrophysics and got to do interviews and stuff with them. So, yeah, it's a big, big interest of mine also. And Neil deGrasse Tyson is so likable. Like, he just mm-hmm. seems like very someone you just sit down and have a chat with. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Very friendly, very good science communicator, which is mm-hmm. different than yeah. being a scientist. You know, scientists mm-hmm. do the research and everything, and science communicators don't even necessarily have to have a degree. They just have to be a good communicator of the science. But he actually is able to do both really well. Well, what about you, Definitely. Gwen? What's um, an interest or a hobby of yours that's doesn't involve Viking festivals. Mm, it's really hard because a lot of my, 
passions I think you all heard about. Um, and I will try to not, if not related too much to Vikings, but unfortunately it is kind of adjacent to that. I am a big history buff. Um, I enjoy watching lots of uh, shows and, and reading up on history, especially early medieval and medieval history. Um, I always uh, liked it. Even growing up, I used to want to be an archaeologist as a kid, like half the kids, uh, the other half wanting to be astronauts or police officers. Uh, so I was of the half that wanted to uh, dig up stuff um, and, and learn about uh, how people used to live in the past. And I always, I, it's really fascinating. It really gives you a good insight into, um, into modern life and geopolitics as well, uh, if you dig a bit closer to, uh, to like modern history. But um, yeah, part of that is also historical costuming was always an interest of mine. Um, part of uh, learning how people lived in the past is learning what they wore. And through that, I feel like you get a really good insight into life at the times as well. Um, and I really enjoy sewing myself. So I have a number of channels that I follow around historical costuming uh, specifically. And uh, a couple of channels that I follow around uh, just history in general. And um, yeah, history through different angles. So a really good one is uh, is History with Hilbert, which is very educational, very accessible, dives into very niche aspects of history, um, mostly medieval and early medieval, but also modern history. Um, the Welsh Viking, I'm a big fan of. I know I said that I'll try to stay away from Viking, but it's a really good channel and you learn a lot. <laughs> and uh, he is a reenactor himself and he's also an archaeologist. So he has a lot to say about uh, um, life in the Viking era. Uh, another great, great channel, uh, very fun to watch, is Tasting History with Max Miller. Mm. Again, another angle to history and, and how people lived in the past is what they ate. And he basically, yeah, it's a really fun channel. He explores a new recipe um, each time. So he's covered recipes from the Roman times, the Viking times, the medieval and, and more modern. Like he had one video around 19, cocktails from the 1920s, for example. And he basically... Uh, finds, does the research on the recipes, then adapts them or, or finds ways to uh, to make them with uh, modern ingredients. And then he will show you how to make the recipe and then he'll uh, do a, a little tasting at the end. So uh, really fun videos. He has also in the middle of his videos, a, a segment where, where he talks about the history around that recipe and gives you a bit more context on what that particular thing that he's making um, in what context people would eat it, um, you know, even things like table etiquette at the, at that particular time and so on. So really educational, really fun to watch. Um, and yeah, and then on the historical costuming side of things for the other costuming nerds out there, um, the very famous one is Bernadette Banner. She's got, I think, something, she's got a couple of million uh, followers now. Uh, she focuses mostly on Victorian clothing, but her videos are very um, well researched. She is a, a historical, um, she's an expert in historical costuming. That's her, she does a, she's like a consultant. So that's her living. So she knows a lot about that topic. Um, there's a couple of other channels where they do a bit more, um, uh, cover a bit more medieval uh, costuming as well. Morgan uh, Morgan Donna is one of them. Uh, Carol Carolina Zebrowska is quite fun to watch as well. Opus Illini, 
um, and so on and so forth. So I really enjoy kind of watching that content. It inspires me a lot for my own ho- my own sewing, um, which is a, a, a hobby of mine. And yeah, and more and more because I got into reenactment last year, I think I'm kind of trying to bring that passion for history to life a little bit more and get trying my hand at different crafts and things, not only sewing, but um, things like leatherworking. I want to try embroidery. Uh, next thing on my list is uh, experimenting with uh, natural dyes and so on. So yeah, um, a lot of things related to history and different angles of history and how to bring history to life. Awesome. Awesome. Yeah. That's, uh, I, I figured that with all your interest in the Viking history, that it would extend to some of the other um, various time periods from the past as well, with all their beautiful and ornate costumes and whatnot. Mm-hmm. I think my sewing level is definitely perfect for early medieval because everything is very easy to make. It's all rectangles and triangles, yeah. and you know, there's not much fitting, so it's perfect. <laughs> As soon as you reach like later medieval, then you start having to worry about uh, corseting and like fitting things in a different way. And it, yeah, I don't think my sewing skill level is there yet. So even though I really admire, you can do that. Yeah, you can do that. I'll I'll work my way up. One one day I'll manage to do something that's a bit more. Yeah. So Gwen, did you see the article? I think it was a couple years ago about some archaeologists who found some ancient yeast in the bottom of a jug and they ended up re-reviving it and using it to bake with and they didn't quite follow all of the standard processes that they might have they might have or should have for like safety purposes but they ended up baking some bread with this yeast that they revived from it was like mesopotamia or something really 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 long time ago (laughs) Oh my god! Uh, that feels it like that's really, how uh, it had this really deep, earthy, nutty taste, or something. It was it was one of the most crazy articles I've ever read. I'm like, <laughs> seriously, guys have have you not seen any of the horror movies? <laughs> yeah, I was gonna say that's how a lot of horror movies start, where a, a nice man or a mammoth was trapped in the ice and was revived, and then things went wrong. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> Alien. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Yeah, but I heard similar things about guys. (laughs) (laughs) I heard a similar thing about uh, someone finding who uh, who does uh, like uh, uh, diving and uh, exploration of um, shipwrecks, and they found like a, a sealed bottle of wine from a couple of centuries ago. And uh, they tried it, <laughs> and it's like, no, that is probably a bad idea. At that point, it's turned into vinegar if it's even, you know, drinkable. <laughs> I'd want to test yeah. it first to make sure it's safe to to be edible. Oh yeah. <laughs> and uh, talking about that, what is your uh, hobby or interest, uh, Dirac? Uh, so I'm really big into science and science news, uh, scientific skepticism in particular, basically. There's a lot of you know people and companies out there making tons of money on things that aren't scientifically proven, and so I've immersed myself in scientific skepticism culture. That's how I've gotten to work with uh, a lot of scientists and engineer or interview and do video projects with scientists, engineers, and doctors and and researchers uh, around the country here in the U.S. through this one organization who does a weekly podcast 
on basically science and scientific skepticism. It's my favorite podcast. It's uh, hosted by a neurologist from Yale University, his two brothers, a friend of theirs, and then a really great science communicator named Cara Santamaria, which you may or may not have heard depending on your level of interest in science communication. But they do a podcast, I've been doing it for about 15 years, and it's called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. And if you really just want to learn anything about how to have a really good critical mind, skeptical mind, and just get some great science news once a week, they put out a podcast and have never missed a week for the last 15 years. Yeah. Wow. So I recommend that podcast highly. It's my favorite. They have such great banter because of the three brothers and that one of their longtime friends are are also on the podcast. So it's just really interesting little, you know, like when you've known somebody that long or it's a sibling, there's like this little nagging and these little jokes that kind of make it entertaining mm-hmm. while they're putting mm-hmm. out really good science information. And, and uh, yeah, so I've been a listener for probably 13 or 14 years now and um, have been out there to work with them. They're based in Connecticut but I've been out to New York and Connecticut and worked with them on video projects. And now I'm really good friends with one of them and have just, you know, like one, on our last trip to New York, we just stopped by to visit. Uh, but they're a great bunch and uh, they are one of the number one science podcasts in the world. So uh, check them out if that's something that would interest you. But that's I have- awesome. I was just scrolling around their website as you're talking about them and it looks really cool. I'm going to have to check these but- guys out. But help me out. What do you mean by science skepticism? Well, so skepticism basically takes claims that people make and Mm -hmm. demand proof for those claims. So somebody says, you know, Bigfoot is real or this medicine, this, um, this medicine will do this thing. And they say, well, what's the scientific um, evidence for the claim that's being made? Right. So Mm -hmm. is the evidence, um, is there enough evidence to come to the conclusion, you know, with a high degree of certainty? Because wh- mm-hmm. one of the things people misunderstand about science is, is it's not, yes, it is this way or no, it's not this way. Science is mm-hmm. based on scientific theories and every scientific yeah. theory is based on a degree of certainty. So that mm-hmm. is a key phrase. It's a degree of certainty. And when you have enough evidence, then the degree of certainty is high. And when there's not enough or sub- good substantial evidence, then the degree of certainty is non-existent or very low. And, pe- you know, it actually learning scientific skepticism can help you in your daily life uh, because there's so many things that we're exposed to. And marketers really, really study this, the psychology mm-hmm. of marketing, as Gwen can probably attest to. And they can be, you know, like clickbait, right? Like what yeah. gets people to click on something and just different things like yeah. that. but. We we are sold and exposed to so much information. How do you know what's real? When you yeah. when you yeah. see an article and it says, "Oh, this is a real science article," and it's been peer reviewed and studied, and it's double blind studies and all this. Yes, but learning scientific skepticism can help you kind of weed through all of that stuff and and have a, a like you doubt it, and, but in a good way, you doubt it, not like you're yeah. just like yeah. a, nay- a naysayer or a cynic. But you, yeah. say, but you step back and you say, hmm, before I spend my hard-earned money or time on this thing or, or you know, ingest a thing or incorporate, like in the fitness world, there's so much as well. So mm-hmm. b- before you do that, 
scientific skepticism can take can teach you to have a critical thinking mind about it like do i yes engage in the thing or do i see what the scientific consensus is on the thing which is as a whole does the scientific community agree that there's a high degree of certainty about a certain thing or are they not do they not and yeah, it's 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 been so enlightening. It, it it's changed my life. I I think I've always kind of been a, a bit of a scientific skeptic in my my li- throughout my life, but mm-hmm. really understanding the psychology of it and 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 the details are yeah are fun. Plus, they just put out gr- great science information. So articles. I love that, and I love the the whole thing about the teaching critical thinking skills. And I think that you're right. Yeah. So many people don't get that, and. S- Definitely when you get into the scientific, but the everyday life, like even, you know, little man will be like, oh, this commercial says whatever. Yep. And, you know, from (laughs) a very, very young age, like toddlerhood, you know, I started asking, what are they trying to sell you? What are they trying to convince you of? Who is it that's trying to convince you? Why are they trying to convince you of that? Mm -hmm. You know? And like beginning there and having that skepticism and going to even just the generic, if it sounds too good to be true, it probably is, Yeah, you know, yeah. <laughs> and looking into it and, and actually looking because I'm one of those, I come from a scientific background. I have degrees in psychology and did quite a bit of research work in my past life. And, um, and, and, and that's one of the things that I have always liked too. And that's why I'm like scrolling through this website. I'm like, Ooh, I like this because <laughs> yeah. it does. It's like just not taking everything at face value, you know, and like looking, I- I'm one of those people that will go and do the research behind making a purchase, you know, and yeah, me too. Yeah. Look at everything behind it, which sometimes is a bit too much, but <laughs> yeah. Well, and it was just about doing the research, you know, which is, like, you know, the internet research, not like the scientific, you know, PhD mm-hmm. research in the labs or mm-hmm. double blind studies or whatever. Uh, a lot of, I and especially I like, I know a lot of people, but b- being involved in the science communication world for the last 15 years, a lot of people think they do research, but it's really hard to vet the information on the internet. And this podcast and their book that they released a couple years ago, and they have another book coming out in, I think, next year. But it's I think it's just called The Skeptic's Guide to the Universe. I own a copy. I've given it away as gifts because it's an amazing book on critical thinking and scientific skepticism. But your research, you have to make sure that your research agrees with the scientific consensus on a thing. Because mm-hmm. there's so many articles and uh, things that mm-hmm. po- seem like they're science uh, related or they have science backing them up. Uh, and mm-hmm. they are just so far from being accurate. It's it's unbelievable. Yeah. And I d- I've dealt with the frustration that the science and the science communicators actually have when when they're trying to communicate over certain things because of all the misinformation out there. And so it's just good to have like this really good, fresh, you know, br- a breath of fresh air from people who are thinking really critically and reminding you how fallible we are as human beings that we can easily be, you know, you know, get caught up in something. But, uh, you know, if you have that little itch in the back of your brain that, that just goes, Hmm, I don't know. Let me see the evidence for that. Or what does the scientific consensus say? 
Um, yeah, I love that. Yeah. And so anyways, that, it's a great pie. I listen to many, many, many podcasts. I probably have 30 or 40 in my playlist. I don't get to them all, all the time, but this one, I, I never miss one episode and it, they, every week I, I listen to it. So highly recommended. The, consider the source Thank question. You. Uh, oh, sorry. What was that about the source? I, I was saying it seems like it's a good one for the consider the source question. You know, when you're saying you reviewed things, what was the source of yeah. the things that you reviewed? Oh, right. The quality. It comes down to, yeah, the source of the information, which can be several layers deep. And sometimes they actually analyze that, especially um, things that get into pop culture and become like these big things that people are promoting, the pseudoscience or the conspiracy theories or the things that don't really have evidence to support it. If it gets into pop culture, you know, they'll, they'll, they'll review it and, and shed some light on it, which is nice. But we're closing out now. Christy, where can people find you on the internet? Can you tell everyone? People can find me on YouTube. You can just search for Gaming with Christy or Gaming with Christy Valheim, and I should pop up there. I am also on Twitter, and I guess you could search for Gaming with Christy. My handle is actually Gaming W Christy because it was too long and wouldn't fit. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I also have a Discord too for my community, and um, you can in touch with everyone as well. And they could probably get your Discord link from your YouTube videos, right? Yes. The links to everything are in my YouTube video descriptions and on the channel description, too. Mm -hmm. Easy way to find me. And it's Gaming with Christy with a K. K K-R-I-S-T-I. Yes, it is. Thanks. Awesome. Well, I think that's going to do it for this week. Thanks for joining me, everyone. Thanks Thanks so much for having me. Thanks for having us. As always, fun. This was fun. Thanks for being here, Christy. Yeah, great to have you, Christy. Thank you, thank you. <laughs> That's it for now. Have fun out there. Thank you for listening to Podheim, Jirox Valheim podcast. We have new episodes coming out every Friday. And if you enjoyed listening, please support us by subscribing to the podcast on your favorite platform and leave us a rating and a review to help more Vikings find us. We also have a Patreon with perks for supporters like behind the scenes discussions, exclusive content, and segments that are edited out of the main podcast. And if you'd like to join our friendly Discord community, We have more than a thousand people there. Just go to discord.gg slash Viking. If you'd like to play on my Valheim servers, just go to my website at jirokthevikings.com and submit an application. I'd like to give a huge shout out to my supporters, some of them on Patreon, the YouTube membership, and the ones who help boost our Discord server. Your support means the world to me and inspires me to make more videos, as well as run a community Discord and multiple Valheim gaming servers. If you enjoy my videos and would like to support my work, join our friendly Discord community and Valheim servers, links can be found in the description below. Skull!